Hey, this is Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd back with you for another Bible Thump. And uh, we're in the Gospel of Mark. So I'm going to read this really interesting story uh, from the Gospel of Mark to you. And it starts in Mark 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on on the cushion. So they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you still afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and sea obey him. So, um, really cool story. Um, one in which Jesus has asked a really, really important and powerful and, and vital question. And it's a question that every human being asks at some point in their life. Uh, we ask this question of other people. We ask this question um, of especially the people that, that we think ought to care about us the most, the people closest to us. But we ask this question of God, and it's this, do you care? Do you care? I think everybody asks that question, even people who don't believe in God. Um, and that's part of why they don't believe in God is because they ask that question, do you care? And they feel like they get an, a, a no, right? They ask God, do you care about me, my situation, my suffering, my frustration, uh, my lack of hope? Do you care about how difficult life is for me right now? And when they feel like God answers no, then they're like, peace out. I'm done. I don't want, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to follow God. I don't want to be a part of the church. Um, but yeah, I think every human being on some level, even those, even atheists at some point in their life are going to be confronted, are going to ask that question like, God, do you care? Do you care about my broken marriage? Do you care about my broken relationship with my child? Do you care about my broken relationship with my parents? Do you care about uh, my, my work situation? Do you care about my poverty? Do you care about my cancer? Do you care about uh, my friends and, and their suffering? Do you care? Do you see my difficulty, my suffering, my frustration, and do you, do you give a crap, right? Um, so this is a reality that we don't like to talk about, but, um, but the, the disciples really, in this moment, they're feeling like they're facing death. Like, that's how bad their suffering is in this moment when the storm hits, like the boat is swamped. I think sometimes we think, oh, like, it was windy. No, like, the boat was swamped. That means they were bailing water out of it using every tool at their disposal to try and get water out of the boat because it was going to sink. Like, they felt like they were going to die. Um, and uh, we don't like to talk about this reality, but this is the reality. Like, they they, they felt like they were going to die. That's how bad it was. Um, this was a big deal. It was a big moment of frustration, of suffering, of oppressive forces bent on causing them harm, Right. And listen, there's a good chance whatever suffering you're facing right now, whatever difficulty you're facing right now, isn't quite as dire, isn't quite as intense as what the disciples are facing. But we we feel the same way. We we have really frustrating situations in our lives that are causing us a lot of pain and the people around us a lot of pain. And we want to say to God, don't you see our suffering? Don't you care? Because here's the reality. Up to this point in Jesus' ministry, up to this point in Mark's gospel, um, we've seen that God can do something about suffering. Um, 
God can do something about the most difficult, tragic, frustrating situations we face. Um, if we really believe the Bible, the Bible tells the story of a God who is very much able to end suffering. He is very much able to step in and bring bring healing. He is very much able to alleviate suffering. I mean, think about, that's kind of what the Bible is about from the earliest moments. I mean, one of the biggest stories in the Bible is, right, is God's rescue of his people out of slavery in Egypt. And it's a moment when God, the, the Bible literally says God saw their suffering and God knew and when it says that in Exodus 3, it's not saying that God knew what was going on. Of course he knew. It's saying that God cared. That Hebrew word for knew really bears this idea of like God's visible, God's like seeing what's going on and saying like, I get it. I see it. I care. I'm going to do something about it. And we know then the whole book of Exodus is the story of how God stepped in to their suffering and did something. And up to this point in Jesus' ministry, hasn't that been what the gospel of, um, of Mark is about? I mean, Jesus has constantly, up to this point in Mark's gospel, been inserting himself into the lives of suffering, hurting people, and fixing things, right? And healing them of their hurts, and freeing them from their demonic oppression. And he's stepping in, he's seeing their suffering, and he's doing something about it. He's making things right again. He's making things new. He's bringing redemption. He's stepping into very broken, difficult situations of suffering and oppression, and making them better. So the first thing that we need to recognize here in Mark's gospel is that like Jesus answers the question of his disciples very clearly and and very 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 boldly with a resounding yes. They say don't you even care that we're about to die and Jesus with his actions says yes, absolutely I do care. Despite what he says to them after, when he rebukes them for the lack of faith, he makes clear that their suffering is not outside his notice. He sees their situation, and he cares. And I want to say this to you, and this might be hard for you to hear. This might be really hard for you to accept. You may not be able to accept it from me today. You may not be able to really believe what I'm about to say. And that's okay. Like I just want to give you a free pass today to say, like, I, I'm not there yet. And that's okay. But whether you're there yet or not, I believe this is true, and I want to say it. And and I hope that maybe someday, maybe someday you can accept it if you can't accept it now. But here's what I really believe. I believe the story teaches that. I believe the whole the whole of the Bible teaches this, and it's this: God cares for you. He sees your situation, and He cares. But here's the thing, that's hard for some of us to accept, right? Because we've been praying, and we've been asking, and we've been hoping that God would do something about this frustrating situation, whether it's um, a, a deathly illness, whether it's um, a horrible work situation, whether it's it's years of suffering under some illness or under some uh, like really broken relationship, and we've asked for him to do something, and he hasn't done it. We aren't seeing Jesus insert himself into our story and our situation he isn't fixing things the way that we that we hope the way that we ask and so it's hard for us to say that we really believe that he cares for us right but here's a few things i want to say if you're in that place where you're like i just don't know i don't know if he cares i'm not sure i can trust that he cares for me here's a few things i want to i just want to point out these are just sort of observations they're not necessarily tied to the text so some of them are but more this is just sort of general observations that i think we ought to consider first just because you feel like god is absent from your suffering 
doesn't mean he is. Just because it feels that way doesn't mean that's the truth. We can't always trust our feelings. Like sometimes our feelings mislead us. That's important to recognize. But just because we don't sense his presence doesn't mean that he's not there. Okay? We, we, we don't have, an, at the very least, we have to say we don't have enough data. Um, do you know all the ways that God is moving in your life and acting um, in your life to keep your suffering from getting worse? Like, um, I think a lot of times it's really easy for us to jump and like immediately throw all the, the, the reasons why we're frustrated about our situation and our suffering and throw those at God's feet and say like, what's, why aren't you doing something? Don't you even care? And we don't recognize all the ways in which God is blessing us and giving to us and providing for us in ways that we don't deserve. Like, um, I just want to say that it's really hard from our limited perspective to know whether the scales are unbalanced between our suffering and, and, and God's action. Like we can't, we don't have the, we don't have the full picture. We don't have all the data. I think this is at least important for us to acknowledge. Secondly, I want to say, God may not be doing what you want him to do, but that does not mean he's silent. Even if only through this story, he is, he is speaking. Even if, it's, even if he's not speaking to you in any other situation, any other circumstance, he's not speaking to you in your prayers, he's not, you, know, you don't sense him speaking to you in, through, another, through a relationship, through a friendship, through a, a, a loved one who's, who's trying to encourage you and, and help you. Even if you sense no ways God's speaking to you, I believe that he does speak through his word. And, and again, this is one of those areas where we don't have enough data, right? Just because you feel like he's not speaking doesn't mean he's not. Uh, he's not silent. And in this story, um, he communicates a resounding, yes, I do care to his disciples. And that's, and if this is really a true story, then, then it's a true story that bears, bears, uh, bears true for us today. That has some truth to offer us today. Some a foundation on which for us to build build up some hope. Number three, God doesn't tell us why we suffer. He doesn't always give us the reason, but he does promise to grow us and sustain us through suffering. Think about Job. Like God didn't, didn't give him the answer, the exact answer as to why he had to suffer, um, but he did grow him. He did sustain him. He didn't let Job fall uh, completely to his own his own frustration. Um, God promises to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Everything. He will work everything together for our good. That doesn't mean that the suffering in our lives is is a necessary element in that in that good. It's not like this isn't I'm I'm not making a greater good defense that that the good will um will ultimately outweigh the bad for every believer. I think in the end, for every believer, we have an eternal hope, which is a promise of eternal good, which, like, that's really hard to quantify, right? Um, but what I would say is that God is promising to grow and sustain us. Um, so the alternative is far more terrifying to me. Do you see what I mean? The alternative of saying, well, there's no point to my suffering. There's no hope in the midst of my suffering. There's no promise of any any relief one day. There's no there's no one who's with me. There's no one who understands my suffering. That is far more terrifying. All right. So, what is remarkable about this story um, in light of in light of in light of all this? I think is how it ends. Um, and here's where we really find quite a bit of hope, even though at first glance it's not very hopeful. 
because the story ends in a really remarkable way. So there's this horrible natural disaster that nearly killed the disciples and produced intense fear in their hearts. Like they are freaking out. And Jesus brings an end to that storm, restores calm to a devastatingly powerful storm. It gets hard for us to put our minds around, get our minds around this, but like, I mean, they're throwing water out. Like they think that the boat is going down and they're going down with it and they're going to die. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's calm. Jesus speaks. He silences the wind and the waves and brings calm to, to uh, he, he's demonstrating that he has the authority to do what only God can do. The wind and the waves obey him. He He's demonstrating his divinity that he is God, right? But Look at how the story ends. Their fear of the storm is actually replaced with a new and perhaps greater fear, fear of Jesus himself. It's fascinating to think about that that's how the story ends because um, there's a, a, a common idea that's thrown out in the realm of sociology um, and, and the study of human history by, by many sociologists today. They say that religion is this thing that came out of fear. Like, human beings invented various religions to deal with the things they're most afraid of. So things like horrible storms and natural disasters, like, you can't, we can't make sense of that, so, so some of these sociologists will, will teach and, and believe that, that human beings made up gods and goddesses and so on to, to try and make sense of, of their, their greatest fears to make sense of living in a really dangerous and deadly world. Um, so there's this idea that religion is the opiate of the masses, that it would, it would alleviate some of our fears. And yet in Mark's gospel, um, he presents us with a God who's far more terrifying than the storm itself. Um, they're terrified of Jesus because they realize the power he possesses. Um, so I think this demonstrates the honesty, the trust, trustworthiness of Mark's account of Jesus' gospel, because if he was just trying to give people what they wanted, um, the story would have ended with a party, right? It would have ended with um, them throwing a huge party and celebrating what Jesus did, um, and you know, with, with like a like a feast or something to celebrate how the storm was calmed and they were saved, but instead it ends with them fearing Jesus. Um, but remember, let's look back. Um, I don't want you to camp out in fear. Yes, we need to recognize that the God we serve is is far more powerful than any storm, which is actually kind of kind of terrifying. I think back to like. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and there's that scene when, I think it's Lucy, and she asks uh, Mr. Beaver, like, is Aslan safe? Which, of course, Aslan represents Jesus in the story, spoiler alert, right? But um, she says, is he safe? And he says, oh, no, he is not safe. He is good, but he is not safe. Um, I think this story reminds me of that in a really powerful way, but I don't want to leave you just terrified of God and his immense power. I don't want you to be more afraid of God than you are of the suffering in your life right now. Um, because I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to do. I don't think Jesus wants us to camp out in our fear and hang out there and stay there. Um, remember the disciples' question. Don't you care that we're about to die? Don't you care? God, don't you care? And Jesus does. He says, why are you still afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
Do you see what he's doing there? He's reminding them that the invitation to follow him is an invitation to let go of our deepest, most debilitating fears. Not suffering. We don't get to let go of our suffering completely, at least not yet. At least not, uh, at least not in the here and now. At least not this side of eternity before Jesus makes all things new. But he does invite us to let go of our deepest fear of the things that cause us oppression and suffering. We don't have to fear those things because we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God sees our suffering and he cares. He cares. How do I know? How do I know God cares? Um, this, is the, this is a Sunday school answer, but I think it's true. I know God cares because of Jesus. Jesus proved that God cares Fast forward, how does the story of Jesus end? Spoiler alert, he dies on a cross and rises again from the dead. And in dying on the cross for our sins, he's demonstrating profound care and love for us. He's doing something about what's broken in us. He's doing something about our spiritual brokenness. He's doing something about our sinfulness. He's doing something about this fractured relationship between us and God. Um, the one person who never sinned, who never disobeyed God, who never broke God's law, suffers for those who have. To bring them to God. We can know, at least according to the story of the Bible, we can know without a shadow of a doubt. If the story of the Bible is true, he cares. Jesus proved that our God cares deeply. He knows, he loves, he invites us to let go of our fears we might not get to be free from suffering in the way that we want to be free from it, at least not now, but we can let go of our fear um, because he cares for us, he's with us, he's for us, and he promises us good, eternal good. Um, so what fear do you need to let go of today? What do you need to let stop controlling you? Because if you think about it, it's not just your suffering that controls you. Really, if we dig a little bit deeper, we find that it's our fear of death, our fear of 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 this of suffering, our fear of of things not going well for us. That's what controls us. And Jesus is inviting us to let go of our fear. You don't have to fear your suffering. You don't have to be controlled by your frustration, your suffering, your difficulty. What do you need to let go of today? Let's pray. I know I don't normally do this, but I want to today. I feel like it's important. So, um, yeah, I just want to pray for you. Let's pray. Um, God, would you help those who are listening to this let go of the fears that are controlling them? Would you help them to identify um, their fear of suffering, their fear of, of things not going well, whatever it is, and, and to lean in the truth that we see in this passage, that you care, you're with us, um, it may not be solved and fixed the way we want it to, but you are there. You're with us. You will sustain us. You are for us. Thank you for loving us and for being for us. Amen. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to talk to you again. See you again next week um, as we continue through the Gospel of Mark. <laughs>